The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. Joel, let's start with what is setting up to be a major main event at AW Dynamite Grand Slam next week, and that's Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, I said it right that time, in the ring, uh, confronting one another. But Joel, do you remember that South Park episode with the shit monster, where how many they said they had a counter on the bottom of the screen and how many times they would say shit, and then at the end, a giant shit monster came out because they hit it a certain number of times? Did it seem like there was just a lot of shit bombs being thrown around on this episode tonight? Yeah, uh, Mikey Ruckus, the uh, composer of many <laughs> AEW theme tunes, had a running shit counter on Twitter. Did he really? Yeah. Um, do you know what it? Do you know what it got to? <laughs> uh, I know it was in the twenties. My God. But yeah, I mean, it felt a little bit excessive, a little bit over the top, um, a little bit. I don't, you know, uh, there, there's not really that like inner 13 year old who like giggles and gets excited every time <laughs> someone says shit on TV. Um, it, it, I did. Just... I did get a kick out of Jericho inadvertently calling himself. Um, <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, it was. Um, oh, I wrote it down because it actually made me laugh. It's some shit face or something it was it was i'm a fat shit bag or whatever i forget (laughs) yeah 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 Um, oh i'm a fat face dipshit yeah 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 okay and the thing is jericho like that that feels like the the whole thing where like you know when someone's saying everything that you say right after you say it and so mm-hmm. then you say something really insulting, thinking that they're going to copy you. But then they're just like, well, at least you have the courage to admit it. And Rabbit and season, gone... duck season. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, and, and it just feels like Jericho inadvertently called himself a fat, <laughs> fat face dipshit. dipshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple wow. times. Well, that we got a little off track already. But Joel, Brian Danielson came out, challenged. Kenny Omega talked about how he shit talked him. He shit talked Kenny Omega talked about how he wanted to face the best bout machine wanted to face the God of professional wrestling. And uh, apparently Kenny Omega has lost his balls or something. So, (laughs) I mean, look, we all misplace things from time to time. I sometimes can't find my keys. Um, Can't say (laughs) as I've ever, you know, misplaced my genitalia. That's uh, I always have a pretty good idea where that's at. Um, <laughs> me, me too. Me too. But poor Kenny, but, because like that's 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 tough. You know, it's tough. But uh, Joel, what do you think of this match finally happening? And what do you think of the Arthur Ashe show in general? That's shaping up to be a pay per view level event. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the prototype for what these big TNT Dynamite shows are going to look like once Mm -hmm. Dynamite moves to TBS. Like, 
I think this is the caliber of live event we can expect. And I like that AEW has so many reps of putting on these kinds of shows. And in the past, I feel like the star power hasn't really been there. And there have been like random matches on these cards that are like, huh? Yeah. Uh, And now it's like, there's just too many stars for them to even all fit on a big show like this. So it's a jam packed weekend. You know, we're going to get a Mm -hmm. two hour rampage uh, in addition to this huge episode of dynamite, I guess not a weekend because it's Wednesday and Friday, but still. Yeah. It's turned out to be a big, big card. And if you don't know what's on the card for next week, we have Daniel Bryant. God, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. We are getting Ruby Soho challenging Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, we're getting a returning Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. in an abortion match or whatever it's going to be now. Um, FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen apparently has been announced for next week. So this... This is exciting. And like you mentioned, like this is seems what the TNT specials starting next year are going to be like. And I kind of like the pacing. You know, we still get our four big pay-per-views a year. I kind of like that we have to wait a few months to get these big events because they do feel truly special. There's so many times at, when I w- was watching the other wrestling company where I couldn't tell you what happened three pay-per-views ago because there was so many. But now, like, I can look back and say, oh, man. Double or Nothing 2019, Double or Nothing 2020 was such a cool show, had such a unique, you know, was such a unique night. So I, I really like this. And I think these specials are going to be a, a great way to uh, kind of give us a little bit more in between these shows. And this, God, this show's insane. And Brian Danson versus Kenny Omega. <laughs> just Joel, when you got me into NJPW a few years ago, I think we talked about this being a, a match we would love to see if NJPW and WWE ever ran an interpromotional card. So we're going to get it. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I think I'm actually more excited with the fact that it's going to be a non-title match. Um, A, because that feels like very AEW. Like Mm -hmm. Danielson has not earned a title match. His resume doesn't matter. He hasn't done it in AEW. That's what counts. So him getting this non-title match is a way to kind of skirt that issue. And it also adds a little bit of intrigue because while I don't think either of us would expect Brian Danielson to win the title in his first match in AEW, I do think there's a chance that he beats the champ. Oh yeah. I think there's a really good chance he could beat the champ. Um, you know, AW with debut matches, like for big stars, they tend to win their first match. And this also doesn't seem like a story that's going to end. Like you could have Dan, Brian Danielson, God dang, win this match. And then you can extend this out to full gear. You could send this out to um, Revolution if you wanted to. You know, there, there's a lot of options here. And I do think that if it was a title match, I'd be very, it would seem, I don't know. I'm still on the train that only one person should take this belt off of Kenny Omega. And as much as I love Brian Danielson, he is not Adam Hangman Page. So I wouldn't expect a title change. But I do think this is a good sh- uh, good way to do it. I can't think of a bigger debut match for Brian Danielson in any company outside of WWE. So um, 
let's get these dream matches off the off, off the bat right away. Um, and God, that doesn't even count what we're getting on this two hour rampage next week, man. We're we're getting CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs. We're getting so excited for that. Yeah, we're getting Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus what was it? The Super Click or yeah, yeah, the Super Click party. <laughs> Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Um, like I, oh yeah, and then the Men of the Year versus Jericho and Hager. Like this is a a great stretch of matches, great stretch of TV. And Joel, are you are you tired yet? Because it's been like two months of just fire <laughs> AEW. Like, are you exhausted? Are you emotionally drained? I mean, it's kind of the opposite. I, I feel energized by this. And uh, we had talked off the pod about how I kind mm-hmm. of wasn't super into wrestling at the moment. Like, I hadn't been really plugged in. I was still watching Dynamite every week, but it didn't feel like urgent. I didn't feel locked into what was happening on a weekend, week out basis. And this influx of talent and excitement around the company has me watching Dark. I watched yeah. Dark last week. I watched Elevation and Dark this week. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a cool thing. And it's it's demonstrative of what happens when a ton of talent comes into the company and does it the right way. It just, it fuels this excitement for the brand. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't tuning into those shows because any of these guys who just came in were on those cards. They weren't. It's all the other talent in the company that I want to see coming up. And yeah. uh, they're also back to being short shows. It's amazing. Yes, God, I-, I love fully engaged Joel in wrestling because he'll just text me. Brandon's like, yo, man, this random like night 23 of the G1. There was an eight man tag before the G1 matches even started. That was fucking ridiculous. I'm like, what? So <laughs> I-, I love it. <laughs> You know, we like we always talk about like, oh man, the NFL is better when the Dallas Cowboys are good. My professional wrestling fanhood is better when Joel's like <laughs> in obsessed full engaged mode because I just get all these gems that I never would have normally seen. So Joel, as a wrestling fan, thank you. <laughs> well, you know, since we're on the topic, uh, we kind of talked about this on on last week's episode, but you got to watch this Lee Moriarty Daniel Garcia match from Elevation. It's really good. And I'm just really excited about Lee Moriarty. I also, based from the tapings tonight, that Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss tore the house down in their match on Elevation for next week. So I'm going to tune in for that because they're both Jersey Jersey people. I didn't know that. Um, So that would be really fun to watch. So, Joel, I think we kind of gushed enough about uh, the Arthur Ashe show, by the way, which I will be at. So any of our numerous listeners are going to be there. Hit me up. We can talk shop, but Joel, why don't we move on? And unfortunately, Zencaster, we had to start over a few times. I lost the show notes. So, so Joel, what do we have next? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to throw a stock down on, uh, I'm back on, I'm back on my bullshit. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw a stock down on Chris Jericho answering the challenge of the men of the year. Um, and it really actually has nothing to do with Chris Jericho at all. It has to do with this spot. It just makes no sense to me. So Dan Lambert has been coming out week after week, cutting these fantastic promos where he's basically talking shit about the current state of professional wrestling, right? Pro wrestling has gone soft. We're all a bunch of marks. 
we are all losing our minds over five foot eight, 150 pound pipsqueaks, and we should be ashamed of ourselves. But we're not because we're getting exactly what we want, and it's all Tony Khan's fault, and blah, blah, blah. Good stuff, right? <laughs> so, who should be answering this challenge? Who should be stepping up to face the men of the year? Someone who represents that new <laughs> style of professional wrestling. You mean and not 51-year-old Chris Jericho and a MMA fighter in Jake Hager? Right. Like, where where is the logic? And, like, they tried to save it with, like, Dan Lambert referring to Jericho as the puppet master. And my favorite line of the night because his voice cracked in the middle of it was when he was talking about all oh, these you want them to buy your fuzzy records <laughs> i like them saying that they us fans waste our allowance on aw gear yep <laughs> so yeah joel i i agree with you here um it just it, like you said it didn't make sense this is the type of spot that you want to put a more maybe young up and coming team in the moment where you know they're not going to win but they're going to get some shine and these heels are going to just be nasty heels and do what heels do um i was i'm just looking through the wikipedia page of the aw roster one holy shit the roster is big <laughs> and two like wrestlers who would have filled this uh this role better i i think i know this isn't an up-and-coming team but the best friends i think mm-hmm. And, you know, represent this type well, of wrestling absolutely. that they're talking about. Chuck yeah. Taylor and Orange Cassidy are goofy as fuck. Yeah. Goofy, goofy as fuck. Perfect. Yeah. What? A hundred percent. If the Dark Order wasn't in chaos right now, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, um, with their goofiness, have freaking Colt Cabana in his, their corner. I wish Dar- Darius Martin wasn't hurt, but Top Flight would have been a hundred percent. Yeah. Perfect for this slot. Absolutely. Like you could even make a case right now that Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, we saw them team up tonight. Like that would have been a great, great team for this spot. So I just think it's a missed opportunity and I want the men of the year to get wins. I want the men of the year to be legit. If they're going to be in the tag team division, tag team contenders. And if not, I want them to be legit forces in professional wrestling. And I don't know if they're going to give them a win over Chris Jericho and, Jake Hager, who still has us blocked, by the way. I, I mean, I think they will win because it doesn't make sense for them not to. And mm-hmm. and Jericho has proven that he's perfectly willing to put people over. Um, so I, I think it's it's an opportunity for Sky and Ethan Page to get the rub a little bit, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think a feud that we're more locked into that we're more interested in is going to benefit them in the long term more than going over a big name who yeah. let's be honest we thought a few weeks ago was on his way out the door yeah. so I, I don't know maybe i'm just yeah. back on my bullshit and eh, I, I i will say this um before jericho came out i was loving this segment dan lambert's really good We've talked about this the last few times he's been on Dynamite, but he is he is kind of meant for professional wrestling. Like he's really good on the microphone. He's a great mouthpiece for these guys. I don't know if we need every member of American Top Team to be in the ring because I think it's like there was like six other people <laughs> in the ring. Um, which I know this is probably an agreement to get get their people some airtime too. But I just like what he brings to the table. I like this pairing with the the Men of the Year. 
And yeah, I think it was just a just a missed booking opportunity, and that's that. I'm on yeah. your bullshit too. <laughs> <laughs> I so, do like Dan Lambert. I, I think part of the issue, and and with for me with Jericho being thrown in here, is that you know Dan Lambert is someone who very much toes the line in terms of like yeah propriety when it comes to the things that you can say on tv jericho i don't think knows where that line is and so putting the two of them out there this just really dipped into some ugly homophobic misogynistic territory with some of the lines in these promos and like it's 2021 we really should be beyond this especially in a company that purports to be mm-hmm. more like focused on I- embracing progress within yeah. pro wrestling. So I, I honestly didn't know you could say pussy on TV in 2021. I was shocked when that oh, there wasn't a bleep or anything. Like I didn't, I just didn't think you could say that on TV anymore. Um. So yeah, he definitely Jericho Jericho sees the line and he's like. This does not apply to La Champion, so screw well, the line. And the the who's on top line, like yeah, that just reeked of juvenile homophobia, and yeah, it just if that's the best you've got, then you need to get better because that is lazy, yeah. lazy promo cutting. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joel, let's move on and. Uh, to, I think one of the, the better matches of the night uh, was Layla Hirsch and Jade Cargill um, giving us a, a really back-and-forth entertaining match. I think the biggest challenge Jade Cargill has seen in the ring so far. Uh, I was surprised with the amount of offense that Layla Hirsch got in, um, and this was fun. And I, I liked Mark Sterling eating shit super early in this match. I love <laughs> I love when managers bump. I love when managers bumps. I think it's so funny. And he took that like a champ. Um, and I, I think that the size difference here was just so <laughs> apparent, but it worked. And every move that Layla Hirsch was able to hit just seemed bigger because she was doing it to Jade Cargill. So Joel, what'd you think about this match? So I, I used to play like in trading card tournaments and stuff. And there was this kid who's probably like eight years old who would hang out at the the game store and and play with the the you know older kids and adults in card games, but he was obsessed with picking people up, like just a normal sized eight year old kid. But he he would walk up to people and be like, "I could pick you up," and he could. It was like he would grab you around your calves and he would lift you like four inches off the ground and then set you back down. And it was kind of freaky. That's what I think when I see Layla Hirsch out there (laughs) hitting suplexes on Jade Cargill is like this little kid with all this swagger just walking up to the biggest person in the room being like, I could pick you up. And I loved it. I was wondering where that story went, but we got there. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that the way they've been building up Cargill, you know, she had her match with Shaq and Cody and Red Velvet earlier this spring. And then she kind of wasn't on TV that much, kind of was only doing vignettes when she came back. And we're now starting to see her in the ring and the progress she's made. 
because I think we would both we both said during when after when we reviewed the the mixed tag earlier this year that both Red Velvet and Jay Cargill were a little raw. Um, they they probably still had a lot of work to do, training to do, and we've seen the the hard work that Red Velvet has pulled in. We've seen her on all the AEW shows, and now we're starting to see that with Jade Cargill as well. And it, there's no one on the roster who has her look, her presence. Like she is a unique talent that if they build her up the right way, she could be a really big star for them, potentially a star that like a crossover appeal type of star. Um, so this was really encouraging to have her put on such a solid match with a, such a technical worker like Layla Hirsch. We don't have those same concerns about Layla Hirsch. We know she can work. So, yeah. um, I think this is just a, a good sign. Another person will building up in the division, uh, that hopefully six months from now we'll, we'll look back and say, Holy crap. She's a superstar now. Um, yeah, she and Layla Hirsch had a promo segment on Dark that was really good where they went back and forth. And uh, it basically was Layla Hirsch throwing different barbs at Jade Cargill and Jade Cargill kind of laughing it off and being, oh, isn't she cute? Like <laughs> the total dismissal of the smaller competitor. And I thought it was done really well. And some of the best talking that I had seen from both of them Obviously, mm-hmm. we haven't seen Layla Hirsch do a whole lot of talking. So um, I highly recommend people go back and watch their stuff. They each had a match on Dark as well. So it was a nice little tie in there. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did great on Dynamite. I think being out there with a highly skilled technical wrestler is the best possible thing for an up and coming talent who's really learning you know, how to do the finer points of pro wrestling because Layla Hirsch is somebody who's going to be able to cover a multitude of sins and she's going to make you look really good. And she's always going to be in the right spot for, you know, making your job easier. If you're Jade Cargill, Um, it it reminds me of some of the work that Kurt Angle did in his time in WWE, especially when he was one of the few remaining like attitude era vets on the roster him and John Cena had a very lengthy history with each other. And I kind of look at them the same way that you just described Leo Hirsch here, just someone who can carry you through a match, put you in the right spots, make you look great. And when it's all said and done, you know, we're praising him, praising the match. So. And I got to give a ton of credit to Jade Cargill for bumping like crazy in this match mm-hmm. as the bigger competitor. Uh, she did was completely unselfish in this match uh, because with her size, she does not have to be giving up that kind of offense to a smaller performer and those suplexes, the, I mean, just at the very start of the match, Layla Hirsch shot a double leg takedown. And, you know, that wasn't something that necessarily Jade Cargill had to agree to, you know, those are spots that can potentially damage your character if it's not Mm -hmm. pulled off well. Uh, but this match ended with Jade Cargill going over really strong. And this was her first truly competitive match that we've seen. And I thought it was great. Really, really loved it. It was my favorite match of the night. Yeah. When you're seeing a wrestler get pushed and kind of doing the squash match route, it's important when they can they can go from the squash match to a competitive match. Um, we were just talking you know, about that with Miro last week. 
about how he's able to toe that line of being big and physical and imposing, but also registering pain, selling his opponent's offense and looking vulnerable. And that's what keeps you interesting as a monster. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to be interesting until you take your first L, okay, you know, don't sell anybody's offense. Be the unbeatable, you know, be the fiend. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to remain interesting, then you got to act like Miro. You got to look vulnerable. And, you know, at the end, you still go over huge. For sure. For sure. All right, Joel, let's move on to our last topic of stock up, stock down. And I think we got a big stock up here to the Darby Allen. There's a lot of people in this segment. The Darby Allen, Sting, Sean Spears, Tully Blanchard, FTR uh, match and post-match segment here. Um, First off, this was a really fun match. I really love Sean Spears. And like... Just like when he gets to do an entrance by himself and he does the thing where he's sitting in the chair with the cool lighting, it's it's badass as hell. It looks great. I really love the the whistle that they mm-hmm. added to the beginning. It, it reminds me of um, Twisted Nerve, which is that's the name of the piece of music from Kill Bill. OK. Um, oh, OK. The whistling tune from. Yeah. Yeah, you ever you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, and it, it was really reminiscent of that, and I'm sure that's what they're going for. Uh, and it totally worked. Well, it reminds me of like in horror movies when the bad guy's like dragging a hatchet on the ground, just whistling mm-hmm. as he stalks his prey. So, but yeah, I definitely get that with the Kill Bill stuff. Um, and so you know, I, he just reminds us every like quarter that he's really damn good. <laughs> and, and this match with Darby Allen was hundred like it was really fun. It it was kind of chaotic and wild. And Joel, you mentioned this pre-show. This the what piqued your interest is when they started rubbing the face paint off of Darby Allen during the match, and then rubbing the face paint off of Sting post-match. Uh, this felt like just a kind of thrown-together story to get us to this match this week maybe get us to the Arthur Ashe show and beyond. And this could be a, a longer term thing here with mainly Tully and sting as the two combatants here with their minions in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. I I really dug this and it, you know, I I know obviously it doesn't have the same history and cultural significance as taking off a luchador's mask, Mm -hmm. but it felt like it's in the same vein of disrespect. Like, this is something that's part of your identity and I'm just going to totally disregard that and wipe it off. And you're going to be powerless to do anything about it. And I thought that was really cool and really evil. And I like when heels are assholes. It just really like brings things off in a bigger way and um, love Sean Spears. I thought this was some of the best work that he's done in AEW. I thought it was a really solid match. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to what goes down with Sting and Tully moving forward. I- I'm really hopeful that we get the two of them one-on-one. <laughs> like, I want to see what they can do. I really, really want to see it. With, with Arn Anderson as the special guest referee, let's just, let's just bring this back to the fucking 80s here. Let's change the ring ropes. Let's change <laughs> the lighting. Like, they should put one of those old-timey filters on the camera so it looks like you're using a tape recorder. 
let's let's go all out here, man. Let's make it feel like the 80s and 70s here. So when Arn inevitably gets incapacitated as the referee, does Ric Flair do a run in as the replacement ref? 100 percent. We we think it's little Nate, but no, it's actually big Nate. Like... <laughs> he was backstage with Sting. Oh, yeah. Um, that I, I saw some pictures, so, uh, he's around. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging we'll, out we'll, with his future son-in-law. We'll get to that one in a little bit, but yeah, I, this is a really interesting story. I think it's a good use of Tully Blanchard. Like they respect their legends in AEW. And it, like, I, I don't really feel like a legend has ever kind of been made to look silly, if that makes sense. Um, and I feel like this is a good, you know, retirement <laughs> plan for for Tully and Sting here to have a little fun and give a little honor to the past. So um, I'm going to have to do some more research and watch some of the stuff of them back in the day because they keep referencing this history that, frankly, we weren't alive for or, you know, <laughs> conscious for yet. It's very so true. It's very true. We, we got to do some research. Joel, that was a long stock up, stock down. Are you ready for a true lightning round? And I know I say that, but it's I'm the only one who makes it long. So are you ready for a lightning round? Hey, let's see what we can do. Lightning round. And Joel, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm going to kick this off with the Anna J, Ty Conti, Bunny, Penelope Ford stuff. This all seems to be moving forward. And uh, we're going to get that on Rampage. So that's really, mm-hmm. really exciting that we're getting this match on TV. Uh, Anna J had a match on Dark. She looks really good. And uh, I- I'm just absolutely loving everything with the bunny and Penelope Ford. I think Mm -hmm. they complement each other so, so well, and I'm excited to see this match. And I'm, I'm really hopeful. Um, There was kind of a tease on social media uh, from the company that made the TNT championship belt. Yeah. They posted and then deleted a tweet (laughs) um, with a picture of what looked like a new championship belt. So I don't know if we're getting a, a mid-card women's belt, maybe a women's tag team belt. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that whatever this is, it's going to be on the women's side of the house because we need something that creates more of a sense of urgency around mm-hmm. the women's division so that we can continue to build this momentum. The talent is there now. You just have to give them the time. Yeah. And I think the big thing to take away here is that it's a, it's a storyline that's developing that doesn't involve the championship. Like we've talked for ages about how AEW needs to be able to run multiple stories in the women's division, like we see in the men's division. And we had a good stretch there earlier this spring where I felt we were getting that because remember the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa feud wasn't a title feud. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can get back to that, you know, we, we have Jade, Jade Cargill getting built up. We have this storyline that you just referenced. We have Ruby Soho and Britt Baker for the title next week. We have Thunder Rosa um still lurking around with some rumors about what they want to do with her going forward so i'm feeling optimistic and i think i think rampage is helping because so far when you know in this week we will have uh, a women's match and you know on the card i don't know about next week's but i'm counting next week's a little different so we'll have to see but it's a two-hour show so maybe um so yeah i i agree with you this this is uh this is really exciting um joel in, in the random celebrity cameo of the night rosario dawson was at ringside hell yeah and 
had more offense against Malachi Black than any member of the Nightmare family so far. <laughs> like I don't know that I would go that far, but uh, she definitely hey man, she acquitted herself well. <laughs> she went one one and zero, oh, man, because she put him in the headlock for about ten seconds and then suffered no moves, no repercussions. She is up on Malachi Black right now. <laughs> so, but. This was a weird segment, though, Joel, because just like we all expected, we had the Cody distraction that led to the Rosario Dawson attack and kind of a weird way to bring Cody back. Don't you think just he's running down the stairs like, yeah, can we take a moment to talk about how we are not ready for wrestlers to be brawling through crowds again yet? It's yeah, it makes me uncomfortable or or, or uncomfortable or CM Punk diving into the crowd like, yeah. Like we're still in a pandemic, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I do like. I like Rosario Dawson. Very excited. <laughs> um, and also, you know why Malachi Black didn't do anything to Rosario Dawson? Because if you fuck with Rosario Dawson, you've got the Mandalorian coming after you. You've got Daredevil coming after you. You've got Luke Cage coming after you. You've got Jessica Jones coming after you. Like, there is a whole laundry list of badass characters that are coming after you if you fuck with Rosario Dawson. And the senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker, is going to come after you, too. No one is scared of that corny motherfucker. (laughs) I mean, love him to death. No (laughs) one is scared of that corny motherfucker. Uh, Man, that would have been that would have been a surprise. No, we're no, we're not getting Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. We're getting Corey Booker. We got three of the letters right. Corey versus Malachi Black. But (sighs) this segment was other than Rosario Dawson getting offense. This segment felt weird to me. I thought you could have just had Cody show up next week without having him do this this week, but whatever. Joel, what do you got for me next? Uh, Fuego shooting a shot, uh, putting his car on the line. This was to stupid. Get, to get another time. <laughs> I love it. I am so here for it. Um, I, and I loved Miro's promo at the end of the show. I just thought it was fantastic. He's just so affronted that after he forgave Fuego and redeemed him, <laughs> But he hasn't moved on. Why are you still here? So good. Love it. So, a plus so, plus. <laughs> so Miro's a big video game fan. They should treat this segment where he destroys the car like in Street Fighter. Like put a timer up on the screen. Like do some shitty green screen background to make it look like the car fighting scene where you just mash a car in 30 seconds. If you if, lean into it, lean into it. Fuego's going to die. So what does he need a car for? Um, Joel, I am going to bring up what I, once again, NJF, we talked about towing the line earlier with Dan Lambert and, uh, Chris Jericho. Um, MJF knows how to dance with that line. (laughs) When he went to go talk to Brian Pillman senior, looking towards the heavens, he's like, you know, no, let's be honest. And then he started talking to the ground. It was like Randy Orton saying Eddie's in hell. (laughs) I mean, this is a time-honored tradition in pro wrestling. I mean, didn't Vince do the same kind of thing, too? Like, Randy Orton's not the only one who's started off looking to the heavens and then, Mm -hmm. you know, been like, who am I kidding? And, you know, start (laughs) talking to hell. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. And it works every time. It's great. 
uh, I have no problem with this whatsoever. Because once again, no, me neither. It was funny. I'm it was absolutely really good. certain that you know Brian Pillman Jr. will have signed off on it. Because if this was a touchy thing, they wouldn't, wouldn't go be doing it. it. Yeah, and, and what I love about this story and this feud is God. MJF is doing everything in his power to make Pillman look like this huge sympathetic baby face. Like this is amazing, amazing heel work from MJF. And if you're building up to a small show, like a, not a small show, but a big show like this, that's not a pay-per-view. This is like a perfect way to use MJF before you set him up for his next big long-term story. Well, and we talked earlier about like Layla Hirsch making things easy for Jade Cargill. This is MJF making things easy for Brian Pillman because the crowd mm-hmm. wants to cheer him so hard. So all he has to do is Show not <laughs> fall on his face. Yeah. And we're going to be behind him, you know, as long as he doesn't pull a Titus and dive under the ring by accident, <laughs> we're going to be in his corner. Oh, we were still in Titus's corner. Come on, man. You know that. <laughs> But yeah, great stuff here. Joel, you you got something else for me? Uh, Yeah, I really love the Archer and Suzuki stuff. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the end segment again, because like brawling through the crowd, don't I don't need that right now. Really don't need that right now. Um, But the the promo package and the whole concept of this was a thing that like one corner of the wrestling internet picked up on and were like, oh my gosh, they cut off Suzuki's music. And I was one of them, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I noticed it. It bothered me. It's like, you know, it's a thing. Everybody sings along with that one refrain. And if you don't let the music get to that refrain, then you're denying us that opportunity. So I like that they, they took that, they blew it up, they made it a thing, and now it's leading to a badass tag team match. Yeah, I I really love how this ter- how, how this basically evolved. Yeah, they fucked up. <laughs> like this was a mistake last week, and I, I I I just I just think of other companies, or even like not even wrestling, but other sports. Like they would just kind of bury something like this, not address it, not you know mention the incident. And AJ was like, "Screw it, let's make this into a story." And Lance Archer and Suzuki have history as a team have history as like a, you know, working together. And we know Air Archer has been doing some NJPW stuff recently too. So yeah, this is going to be a fun main, not main event. This is going to be a fun match on this show next week. Um, I honestly don't know who's, how many tables are going to break or how many heads are going to be pile driven. Like it's going to be really fun. So this was a really good segment. I'm with you fighting the crowd. Bit of a no, no for me. Um, Joel, I, I can't believe we haven't talked about this, but the in-ring debut of Adam Cole Bebe uh, in the opening match with um, Frankie Gazarian. I thought this was a solid match. Uh, I made a, I was quite proud of myself. We we had a Panama Sunrise countered into an Alabama Slam, and that's a panhandle transition for you. Oh, very nice. Yes, sorry. I had to get that a up. Very but I thought Alabama of you. Ha! I thought this match was fun, and I just like seeing Adam Cole in the ring. You know, we we both kind of stopped watching NXT and the other wrestling company a while ago, and he was one of the few people that like, man, I just maybe I'll just go watch it for a little bit just to see what Adam Cole is up to. So I'm just really happy to see him in an AW ring, and he's just a really good worker, and he has a really good presence about him. And um, yeah, 
Love me some Adam Cole. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Kazarian is, you know, he's one of the people that you have your first big match in AEW against, right? For a while, it was mm-hmm. Scorpio Sky. Like, yeah, you come in, you wrestle Scorpio Sky, and then you move on to whatever you're going to do. Uh, and it seems like with Christopher Daniels out of the picture that Frankie Kazarian is going to be one of those gatekeepers within AEW. And it makes sense in the context of him being the elite hunter that he was facing off with Adam Cole here. So nice that we kind of get a, a double uh, double dip on that. Um, but yeah, good match. Yeah. Joel, I think we might have talked about everything. Oh, no, there's a couple other things. Oh, okay. A couple other things. So... Uh, we had Will Hobbs ambush oh God. CM Punk. <laughs> how did I and, forget um, that? You know, you, you mentioned you don't know how many tables are going to break in this uh, Suzuki and Moxley tag team match. Uh, could be zero uh, because <laughs> uh, as uh, Warren Hayes pointed out on Twitter, uh, the Forbidden Door is also open to Japanese tables. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that tweet. And yeah, Joel, there's nothing worse in wrestling than the table didn't break. Um, it's always looks painful. And that he got slammed pretty hard on that thing. Like, yeah, and it just did not like it just tipped over and he fell yeah. onto the floor. And it's like, that's not how that's supposed to go. That didn't feel good. Yeah, I, I was at Hell in a Cell in Boston a few years ago when uh, I think it was Charlotte versus Sasha Banks in the cell. And Sasha could not for her the life of her get through one of those tables like oh, man she, yeah she, like I bounce off of four of them <laughs> that was at tlc i think no it was uh, a hell in a cell hell in a cell hell in a cell yeah i don't remember it yep. being in a cell but i do remember those spots and <laughs> her just flinging herself at the table as hard as she could yeah and, and nothing um, happening yeah that that seemed so so painful but yeah like cm punk legit looked like he was he was in pain because that table, I I never understood trying to slam someone through the table from the narrow side of the table. Like, I just, it seems like there's more ways for that to be fucked up than going through, oh, like, definitely. the middle of the table. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely want to be perpendicular to the table. Uh, yeah. Agreed, agreed. So, uh, I you just said had, you don't have anything else? So, I got I just one. Remembered, I just remembered one thing. Okay. And it was uh, just Dante Martin's really, 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 really good. And I can't yeah. believe someone that young is this good. Standing Swanton Bomb. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's ridiculous. And I'm glad they found a way to keep him on TV while his brother is rehabbing from injury. Cause... Yeah, he just gets to go out and have the best individual performance of the night every week. Yeah, it's been a couple... It's been a... He's on a good stretch. It's It's been like... Over the last five, six weeks, he's just put out these showstoppers. So just really, really love what he he brings to the table. And we get to watch this guy's career. Like, he's he's just getting started, and that's exciting. All right, I'm going to hit two things really fast. One, okay. Andrade does not need subtitles. Knock that shit off. Two, <laughs> really enjoyed the Gun Club promo. Um, yeah, I, I like the repetition. Repetition is a good tool when it's used effectively. And I liked the Austin and Billy undefeated Billy and Colton undefeated Austin and Colton undefeated trios. You guessed it undefeated. I really like that 
um, set up and they just with the way the video package was set up with their highlights made them mm-hmm. look really, really legit. Uh, I think the quick draw is an awesome finisher. Really love it. And I'm excited to see, you know, the two of them would have been better. I mean, obviously they're heels, so you don't want yes. heels answering heels, but Austin and Colton Gunn stepping up to yeah. the men of the year would have been a better spot than Jericho and Hager. Anyway, really like that from them. We may have too many heel tag teams. We need some more babyface tag teams. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm digging it. Yeah. I, what I liked about this is it, it it answered my main concern of Billy Gunn randomly attacking the big show a few weeks ago. I'm still calling it the big show because I was like, I don't need this to be a Billy Gunn centric story. Like we don't need Billy Gunn versus Paul white on our TV, but them as a heels with Billy Gunn as their manager to put over these amazingly talented kids is a positive. And that was a really good promo by Billy Gunn. Like, like, some of his stuff that like he hasn't talked much since he's gone to AEW, but that was a really good heel promo, really good job by all three of them. So yeah, I, I I'm with you, Joel. This was, this was a, a win for me too. This was a positive. And if that's it. Yeah, I'm guys, good. I can... said my piece. I'm good. <laughs> Andrade doesn't need subtitles. That's the name of the episode. Fuck everything else. Um, <laughs> Thanks for check, uh, joining us this week, guys. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can get the podcast on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. Uh, we'll there. So give us a su- follow, subscribe. I never know what to say. Uh, you can email us at Show at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, Joel. Uh, any last words before I uh, I, w- I start season two of Miracle Workers? Uh, join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.